Hi, my name is Tara Palm, and I'm the Executive Director of Resource West in Hopkins, Minnesota, and you're listening to the Whistling Jesus Podcast. Welcome to the Whistling Jesus Podcast, a show where we talk with community members from the Hopkins and Minnetonka region about people, community, and vocation. This podcast comes to you from Shepherd of the Hills Lutheran Church in Edina, Minnesota, in partnership with Augsburg University and the Riverside Innovation Hub in downtown Minneapolis. My name is Deacon Brian Henning, producer of this show, and I'm joined by the host of this show, Senior Pastor Scott Searle. In this episode, we sit down with Tara Palm, Executive Director of Resource West, who talks about the work of Resource West and the need for holding space for conversation and how she finds the rest needed to do her work. Uh, why don't we just start off by having you tell us a little bit about what Resource West does and sort of your role as the executive director. Resource West has been in the community for 26 years. We are birthed out of the Hopkins schools as a way to support families um, with some of their instability. So where it started the children youth programs, the school supplies, the winter gear and the gifts. Um, we, uh, that was a good place to start, but we realized the reasons why those things were not being supported in the first place is because there was greater instability at home. And so now it looks like 26, 26 years later is the children youth programs are still a vibrant and necessary part of the organization, but we have since added staff to be able to support housing instability, um, employment instability, transportation, all the different basic needs that we all need to do well in in life. So whether that is a phone call, a quick conversation in the office, an email exchange, um, we have a Spanish and Somali speaking social worker that walk alongside individuals in the community to be a part of their life and try to figure out what the next step looks like. Um, So my work at at Resource West is... um, well, it is many things. Um, it is, I work to provide leadership. So the board of directors and myself work to f- listen and engage in the community to figure out how to best support the community. Um, sometimes um, on Mondays, it looks like staff meetings and answering emails and um trying to figure out what the week looks like. Tuesdays, it looks like HR and admin and finance uh, Wednesdays, it looks like development and raising money. Thursdays, it's programs. And then Friday, it's strategic development and planning. So do, do you really have it sort of segmented out in those kinds of intentional buckets like that? Have you sort of systematized your work that way? That- I have because I felt like I was losing my mind and I was getting distracted. And I felt because there are certain like not one person is really amazing at all of those things. Um, but it is my job to make sure all of those, like that work gets done. And so what I have found is if I organize myself well enough, it doesn't feel, it feels like I can get more. I can be more strategic with my time and spend more time doing the things that I am wired and better position to do. That's really, that's really clever. How did, how did you sort of kind of come to, I mean, that's something I've not heard somebody talk about before, like sort of creating the system, systemization sort of, of making sure that every day kind of has its focus and that you do it and that you, how did you come up with that plan? That's clever. So in the work, like in the social work world, there's like specializations, but then there's also like generalist work. And I would say Resource West is like a generalist work, which I think enables us to be really well positioned, to be flexible and adaptable to the community needs. 
Um, but what I see oftentimes as generalists is like, you're just like, you're so needed and it, it can be so vibrant, but I also feel like sometimes generalists are dulled because you spend a little time doing a lot of different things. And so I noticed that because of a small organization, I found that my work was patterned that of like, I do a lot of things pretty like good. And I'm not necessarily in the like, how do I want to say this? I'm just not a perfectionist by hmm. nature. Um, and I find myself really my anxiety and my mental health spiraling if I feel like like perfect or like, really always hitting out of the park is the measure. And I think that most of the time good enough is actually good enough. And I think it's a better use of resources, hmm. but all that being said, <clears throat> I find that in my own like professional development and my own job satisfaction, because I was generalist, like it's not super like inspiring to like be, um, pretty good at a lot of little things <laughs> I don't know it just doesn't like drive you and so what I found is that if I try to oh, it's not perfect like there's things that side up like it's not perfect of course but I found that I feel like I'm better like my motivation level is better if I can put those buckets of work together that are trickier and then capitalize on the other days that are like, I feel like this is way, way I'm wired and I'm thriving in this because I think that I would like to stick around in this work, but I also know that job satisfaction and like wanting to do well in it is like important to having you stick around. And so I was like, well, I really want to do well in this work and I want to do well by Resource West. And so I just need to maybe perhaps figure out a different way of like, let me just see if I can make a step of it. I like that. So, I mean, in some ways, it's kind of a, a way of putting into into buckets the things that you have to do, the things that you like to do. So in order that you can excel at those things that you really like to do and then manage the things that are more yeah. more challenging. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And how uh, I'm, I'm sort of curious, how did you end up sort of in, I mean, what, what I think you sort of described as sort of the social work and the social service kind of world? What, what were some of the impacts in your life that brought you to wanting to work at a place like Resource West? And how did you sort of get here? So my husband and I mm, take one step at a time. And so I got to Resource West one step at a time. So I graduated with a degree in social work and then I got married pretty quickly out of college and started started having kids. And so I was at home for the first 13 years. Um, but within those 13 years, we traveled pretty consistently for my husband's work. He worked for a nonprofit Christian organization that took high school students and college students to different parts of the world for like leadership development. And so we would pack up the kids every summer and mm. Um, spend time in different parts of the world. Um, and then when, and then he went to seminary and when he graduated, um, realized he didn't want to work in the church, which was an interesting conversation <laughs> after three years of full-time work and full-time seminary, but that's beside the point. Um, but then we did land uh, in India for three years to work alongside a NGO that came alongside um, um, women that, um, young girls and teens and women that were caught up in human trafficking. So we were there for three years. And in that time, so like the nonprofit youth work that we were a part of, and then going to India um, and working 
with volunteers and young girls, I think always in that like, or, but even though I wasn't working full time, it was still part of the ethos of our life. Um, I remember when I was the second year of college, I was in Guatemala and I remember having this moment and really saw that part of my work on earth was about helping um, maybe certain groups of people see other groups of people. Hmm. Um, And that has always been a consistent thread through the early part of like our adulting in twenties and thirties. And then when my last, my number four went to kindergarten, I was ready to start work outside the home and um, through a, a network of friends, found Resource West as a professional home for the last six years. When we came back from India, our like dream life was not in Minnetonka, Minnesota. <laughs> it felt really different than all of the other homes and all the other places that we have lived. Even though it felt unremarkable to live in one of the like wealthier con- um, cities in the state, um, I felt like we consistently have been a part of people's lives that look a lot different than ours. Um, and I have been really grateful. So I love that I sit in the center of the participants of Resource West, the donors and the volunteers. Those are those can be the same people. It can also be very different people. Hmm. And I know when I think one of the trickiest things that we have we're trying to figure out how to navigate this life together with is helping each other see each other and see value and that know that we are all created differently, but we are all uniquely 100% the same value. And I think that's where some of the things that we like get a little tripped up in is, is seeing each other and, and trying to make judgments on value, which is never our place in life. That's really interesting. So I'm wondering sort of about, um, because one of the things that you sort of, two things struck me. One was the international component of being with people who are, are different um, and then also thinking about your current work as sort of this interesting intersection of different communities that often overlap, um, but sometimes don't interact, right? And sometimes they do. Um, I have so many questions about that. Were, were there some early experiences in your childhood or when you were growing up that impacted sort of that wanting to help people in those different communities see each other? Or sort of where does that that come from, right? Because I mean, that's a pretty unique perspective uh, to think about how we engage with the world, right? Is sort of helping each other see each other, mm-hmm. um, especially sort of given that international background, and then now living in sort of a very white, wealthy Western mm-hmm. suburb culture. Um, how, were there things in your childhood or something, or in your adolescence that that sort of helped drive that, or was that something you came at later, sort of as you were talking about having that moment in in school? Mm-hmm. Well, I grew up in Bemidji, which is not as maybe diverse in the amount of different languages spoken or the amount of different people that from different backgrounds. I feel like it's a little bit a little bit more similar, but um, one of the things that I did feel like we observed as a family and as a community and the faith community that I grew up in is like we, um, like generosity was always like right at the center of everything. 
Um, and so I think that was a helpful platform of like, whether it be generate generosity, generosity of spirit, generosity of kindness and care and love. And so I think that was a good platform to go to like step off of. I think one of them, I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. So I don't know a lot. I know not just enough to be dangerous, but I think one of my wirements and like the type that I have found myself spending the most time in is like a nine. And so like, I think one of the ways that I'm wired is that like, I really can easily see a lot of different people's point of view Hmm. and like where they're coming from. So I think it's part of my, some of my environment. Um, And then I think when I was in college, um, I was drawn to like, like the mystics and people that would like, hold space for like mystery and and like also trying and hold space for curiosity and question so I think I was just drawn I I was drawn to reading so I feel grateful for the early spiritual mothers and fathers in my life that helped like like in those early formative years, like build up different parts of who I am. I can, can't really take credit for anything other than just noticing Mm -hmm. and engaging Mm -hmm. what made, what was interesting to me. Yeah. And so I'm, I was sort of curious about that too. Like, how does that play out then in your work, right? Yeah. I mean, we should talk a little bit about that mm-hmm. sort of as we were getting started. So that kind of holding space for the mystery and and I've seen that in action, right? It's one of the things I've really appreciated about being in conversations with you and all sorts mm-hmm. of the public forums that we find ourselves. Yeah. Um, because these days it's really easy to, it, we get so polarized so quickly, Yeah. right? And there's not often that sort of gap in space. Uh, and you do that really well. Mm-hmm. I think like in like, social work which is really at the heart of what we do of just like we hold our listeners to people's stories and it there's like we take great strides to name our biases as we're listening and as we're debriefing after perhaps harder Hmm. conversations um and I think a part of the trickiness of our of our civic life right now is like naming other people's feelings and experiences. And like, that's never up to us. That's theirs to name. One of the things that I've been reflecting on, right? So, I mean, the pastoral role and the social work role and sort of the church role have so many different overlaps, right? Totally. They're, they're definitely intersecting. And yeah. I think one of the things that's been challenging is to recognize, and, and not that I think we can have a, a full conversation about truth, but in relation to community and to our work that we that we both do, one of the challenges that I think you named is listening to people and believing that their worldview is both coherent and they believe that that's actually the way the world works. And that's and without without sort of having to either adopt it, right, um, 
or believe that that's true for you without sort of invalidating their experience, right? That's 100%. really hard right now, mm-hmm. right? And I would think even when you're dealing with all sorts of different, right, all the different communities in which we're intersecting, whether that's donors or clients or staff or mm-hmm. uh, sort of the general public that comes in to volunteer, yeah. right? We're all individually walking around with with these different worldviews, which is so interesting right now, because in some ways they're being exposed in a way that maybe they haven't been before. Mm-hmm. Does that sound, I mean, is that kind totally, of. Totally. Yeah. You really summarized it so well. Like I think, I think that's a part of it is just like, I think it is tricky to practice, but I actually think once we practice it, we get better at it mm. and it doesn't take us. It always wipes me out when I'm in a, if I'm in a community conversation, especially when there's a million different, different voices, I feel like, exhausted afterwards i think sometimes we don't realize on how when you have to hold space in a certain position for a long period of time if you're holding space for a long period of time it is exhausting but i do think though that like i continue to lean into the fact or my own my uh my own posture of like love actually looks like spaciousness Hmm. and so like the wider and deeper and bigger you can make it like it's less, it's still painful, but it's actually like, it gets, it gets, I don't know. I don't mean to make it simplified, but it gets easier Yeah. <laughs> because you're just like, oh, I actually don't have to spend energy of my own self trying to figure out if you're right or not. I can actually just like, yeah. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. Like, I don't, you know, there are some fine lines, like human right. Like, there are some areas that you do need to, like, practice of, like, no, there is a space for a buck, like, space for that actually isn't good. So there are areas that are not good and that you do need to take a certain line of, like, boundary line. But I think there's, like, so much of the world that we can just be, like, that's great. It, there's a mystery and it's gray and it's okay. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really appreciate that it is exhausting, right? Because in, in so many ways, right? Like holding your brain open to allow that is like, it takes work, right? Mm-hmm. It's not easy, right? So I think one of the illusions that we often think is the community is just like, it's just great. Well, no, it isn't actually, right? It It is a challenge because you're always bumping up against somebody who sees the world different, which often has something to do with our identity. Totally. Right? And that's when it gets challenging and we start kind of fighting each other for it, right? And holding open that space to sort of um, listen and then actually be okay with somebody takes a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. Totally. Sort of related to that, I'm kind of wondering then, um, one of the things that obviously churches are interested in is rest or pausing. Um, And, you know, every time you ask somebody, how are you these days? The first answer is almost always I'm busy, Mm -hmm. right? Which I'm I'm always curious to want to know what that means, right? Mm -hmm. Is that like, is that because of the pace and the hecticness of life or whatever? But um, so I'm, I'm sort of curious, do you find places to pause, um, do you need that? And mm-hmm. sort of what does that kind of look like for you? Is it like, a, do you have a practice or is it, I don't know. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm curious how people do that, right? Mm-hmm. And how that then impacts sort of the day-to-day kind of things. So like one of the things that I think is the Sabbath and like when Israel needed to take a break and, and observe the Sabbath, I think one of the things that they were doing was saying like, actually, 
we work in another system. We don't work in capitalism. We work in the system that is different than that. And it's like an acknowledgement, a pause is acknowledgement of like, we are not, we acknowledge and we're a part of the systems, but we are not going to help move the system along. We're not going to like, we're not going to help generate all the time. We're going to let that sit for a while and we're going to observe something different. And because I think that's one of the trickiest things about rest is like what we agree to make our idol. What I think it does, it acknowledges that there is something bigger out there. And so what that does, that rest is a refreshment in saying, I'm going to get off of the, I'm going to get off the um, treadmill. I'm going to jump off for a while. And I'm going to say, thanks, but no thanks. And I'm going to observe something different and I'm going to rest because if working like capitalism seven days a week doesn't work, actually, I think there's this, uh, they think you want to think it does because you think that's the only way that progress is made. But I actually think by like taking a rest and taking a break um, is, is really important to, to acknowledging to the world and yourself that there's other things out there. I think some of the hardest work to identify what kind of rest I need is trying to like peel back of like what kind of rest do I need? Because I think that's a part of um, the work in this because I don't think not one kind of rest rejuvenate like fit like rejuvenates me. So like if I'm feeling like, like I've worked just like if I've only done like worky work stuff a lot, and not necessarily like physically exhausted but I need to be creative in other ways to make my work feel less worky is I get in the kitchen and I start cooking and I often find that if I start cooking other parts then I feel like the worky work starts feels like less um when I say that I feel locked up in it what I feel like happens when I like work on something different and being creative in different areas I feel like it unlocks some things Mm. And it helps me get back into Monday less locked. A very special thank you to Tara Palm for her thoughts and conversation. I loved at the very end of her comments when she talked about rest being a statement that we do not belong to the system of capitalism, but in fact belong to an entirely different system altogether, and that we need to unlock ourselves so that we can be the best we can be. Definitely some interesting thoughts there all around. What stood out to you? We'd love to hear what you are thinking about today. Feel free to email us at whistlingjesus at softchurch.com. We're looking forward to our next podcast, which will be released in the beginning of March. We will be sitting down with Peg Keenan, director of the ICA food shelf to talk to her about how she understands people, community, and vocation. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and turn on the notifications so that you know when we release our next episode. And please share our podcast with your friends and family so that these stories can be told to the whole community. Thanks for listening.